stand together. And I want to talk to you about Jesus. Do you mind if I preach Jesus up today and preach the devil down? All right. I say that because our Jesus is being marginalized, minimized, lied about, misrepresented in our culture today. And the church is going to have to stand up and tell who he really was. So I'm going to preach him up today. I want to talk to you about the awesome, amazing, astonishing Jesus of Nazareth. Amen? And let's talk about when Jesus gets into your boat. Luke 5, starting at verse 1. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that Jesus stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Now notice the boats were standing. That means they had propped them up. They were done. Now, here's the disciples. They're off washing their nets. They're done. But what does Jesus do? He got into one of the boats, pushed it back down, got into it, and the boat happened to be Simon's. And asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, read this with me, I love this. Launch out into the deep. Is God saying that to you? Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I love that. I can't tell you how many times that verse has changed my life. We're here where we are because the Lord gave me that verse. Now, Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've, we've fished all night and caught not one thing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. Can you believe that? They had to have help. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, there wasn't anything else he could do. He fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He realized who was in his boat. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, all people whose writings we would le read later, saw this. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. What a great story. Father, we just pray that your blessing on this word today change us. For Lord, your hand is upon us. And Lord, your hand is upon every one in this room. Lord, speak to us and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Well, I love that story. And I want to preach it here at the beginning of the summer when everybody heads off to vacation and we kind of kick back and get a little bit of a break from the normal hustle and bustle of things. And I want to bring to our minds again who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. I want you to understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is not on a par with any other religious leader of the world. There is no one like Jesus. As a matter of fact, there's no one even in the same stratosphere. Jesus is not on anyone else's level, and no one is on his level. 
Jesus was unique. He was awesome. He was astounding. He was amazing. He was astonishing. Now I'm using those highly charged adjectives because they describe the effect that Jesus had on people everywhere he went. I love words. You know I love words. And I, I counted and found that 13 times in the Bible, the word amazed was used to describe people's reaction to Jesus. He caused amazement. And then I counted that there were 14 times the word astonished was used. When people encountered Jesus and he encountered them, they were left amazed. They were left astonished. And those two words are translated from Greek words that mean this, to shock, to strike out of one's senses, to be utterly dumbfounded or left at a loss from witnessing something incredible, causing the viewer to gape in astonishment, to be struck with a sense of wonder and awe. That's the effect Jesus had on people. So watch this. When you encountered Jesus, or he encountered you, you were shocked. You were stricken out of your senses. You were dumbfounded, left at a loss. You had witnessed something incredible or heard something unforgettable. You were struck with a sense of wonder and awe. We find people in the gospel astonished and amazed at different things. They were astonished at his wisdom. Let me show you how they looked. Are they up there? <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you. Okay, here we go. I had a... There it is. Everybody say, that's the way you looked when you met Jesus. They were astonished at his wisdom. They were astonished. They said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? But then they were astonished at his teaching. All the multitude was astonished, struck out of their senses, dumbfounded, struck with wonder at his teaching. And I noticed that it was his teaching that astonished people and stunned people more than any single thing. But they were also astonished at his works. Seriously, this is the way people looked when they left Jesus. It's the way they looked. Seriously. It says in the Bible in Mark 6, 2, many were astonished that such mighty works came about by his hands. And they were astonished at the majesty of God. Have you ever felt that way with Jesus Christ? This is what Jesus did. They were astonished at his majesty. They were all astonished at the majesty of God, marveling at all the things which Jesus did. He was awesome. Jesus was unforgettable. When you encountered Jesus, it was an unforgettable, life-altering experience. Can anybody say that with me? Was it unforgettable? Was Jesus unforgettable? Was he life-altering? When you encountered him, it moved you to the core. It shocked you to the bone. It rocked your entire world. When you encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, he was not just some first century hippie walking around saying nice things, pithy little sayings that were good for daily living. No, when you encountered Jesus, you were shocked. You were in awe. You could not believe it. You were taken back. Your mouth was left hanging open. You could not comprehend you couldn't wrap your mind around what you had seen and what you had heard 
For days you couldn't shake the experience. For a lifetime the memory was burned into your soul when you encountered Jesus. Now what I want to do is take a few weeks and pull from Scripture some of the stories that illustrate the impact that Jesus had on other people. And I'm only going to use stories where the words amazing or astonishing were used in the story to describe their reaction to what they saw. And today I want to look at what happened to the life and the future of Simon Peter after he allowed Jesus to get into his boat. I love this story. Now the account that we read in the book of Luke begins with a great need. There was a great need. It says a great multitude of hungry, desperate people were pressing in, pressing in to hear him, pressing in to hear the word of God from him. They wanted to hear Jesus talk. I don't know about you folks, but there's nothing I like more than hearing the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. Jesus said, the words that I'm speaking to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are alive. They are life-giving. And these people were pressing in to hear him. And you know what? It's no different then than it is now. Right now, don't let anybody fool you. Our world is dying to hear the words of Jesus. This culture longs to hear the words of Jesus. Can I, the devil will tell you, better not open your mouth and talk about Jesus because that's, that's not politically correct. And you ought not be saying it. Just leave everybody alone and keep your religion to yourself. But that's a lie because out there I'm finding when our radio show goes out, all we ever hear is, thank you for preaching and teaching the word of God. We are dying for a word from God. We want to hear the word of God. Our world doesn't want to hear just any old thing. They're dying for a word from God. Once when many people had walked away, as a matter of fact, in one sitting, when Jesus taught, there were 5,000 people following him, 4,988 could not understand what he was saying, and they walked away. And Jesus turned to his disciples, and he asked this question, will you also go away? And Simon Peter came back with one of his profound statements that he could come up with right out of the blue. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? There is no one else. You're the only one. You are unique. You are unprecedented. Where else will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. There is life in what you say, Jesus. We don't want to hear just anybody. We want to hear you. We don't want to go to just any teacher, any philosopher, any expounder, any orator. We want, Lord, to hear you because you alone have words that are eternal. Jesus' words are life-giving. Right now, when I quote him, it ministers life. They are delivering. They are healing. When it's the word of the Lord, he sent his word and healed them. Did you know that you can live your life on one word from God? Thank God for the word of God. Thank God for the power of his word. Jesus' words had promise for here, and they had promise for hereafter. You see, when they heard the words of Jesus, they heard eternity ringing in those words. They heard something special. 
They said, no man has ever spoken like this man. No one has ever spoken with this kind of authority. It says they were amazed at the authority with which he spoke. Jesus spoke and demons trembled and came out of people. Jesus spoke and the sick were healed. Jesus spoke and the hopeless received hope. The dead received life. Jesus spoke and dead men came up out of their graves. There is power in the words of Jesus Christ. I would rather listen to Jesus for one minute than anyone else the rest of my life. Thank God for the words in red. So there was a great need. Here is this huge crowd, thousands of people pressing in to hear the words of Jesus. There was a great need. But then in this story, we find that there was next a divine search. See, here was the deal. Jesus needed an available vessel to get into. You know where I'm going with this. Jesus needed an available vessel to get into. Why? Because here's a huge crowd, but they're pressing in on him. They're pushing. They're crushing. There's no room. He's got to find a vessel by which and through which he can reach these people. So Jesus chooses a boat. He needed to get into that boat and push out from water to get away from the crowd and also because that water would carry his voice because there were so many people. So the Bible says he looked and he saw two boats standing by the lake. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. The need that was then is the need that is now. Can I tell you, Jesus is still looking for an empty vessel, an available vessel, that he can get into, that he can occupy and use as an instrument to reach the teeming masses. You know what Turning Point Church is? It's a great big boat. And you know what I say today? I say, Jesus, here we are, and we're an empty vessel. Fill us up, step into this boat, and help us to reach the masses. I want to reach the masses. He's looking for an empty vessel. He's looking for an available vessel. He's looking for someone who will say what the prophet Isaiah said to God. It says in Isaiah 6, Isaiah says, I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responded, I don't have time. No. Isaiah responded, I'm too busy. No. He said, guess what? Here am I, Lord. Send me. And oh, folks, how your life changes when you hear the word of God coming to you and saying, who am I going to send? And you say, I've got time. I'm available. I'm here. Send me because there is a great need. There are millions and millions and millions of people who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ and do not have the word of God who are dying in their sins. And God's looking for a few boats to occupy that the word of the Lord can go out from and I want that to be us Paul said that you and I are just like that boat he said we ourselves in 2nd Corinthians 4 7 we ourselves are like a fragile jar of clay containing this great treasure yes we are flesh and bones but guess what inside of you and I there is a treasure his name is Jesus and he is the word of life 
the word of healing, the word of deliverance, the word of hope. And he wants a boat that he can stand up in and move through to reach the thousands who do not have God. I'm telling you, he is near right at the door. And he said, lift up your eyes and look, the field is white for harvest. And then he said, pray that laborers will go into the harvest. And so I'm praying today that God will lay his hand on every person in this church and say, guess what? You're an empty boat. Why don't you let the treasure of Jesus fill you? Why don't you let him step into your life? Because things really get exciting when Jesus gets into your boat. And the next thing I see is he, he had a need. Believe it or not, God had a need. But then I see next a divine interruption. The Bible says that the fishermen had gone from their boats and they were washing their nets. They had already walked away from their boats. The night was over. Fishing was done. And they were about ready to go home, washing their nets. They had been out all night and caught absolutely nothing. They were disappointed. They were tired. They were thinking of heading home for a nice long sleep when they were interrupted by the call of Jesus. You see, there is nothing more powerful than a divine interruption. Jesus interrupted them. You say, well, how dare him? He's God. God can interrupt you anytime he wants. They were tired, inconvenienced, discouraged. And it was at that point, that low point in their life, that Jesus interrupted them. And I can almost hear Peter saying, oh, man. Now, that's the revised Wickwire version. That's not in your Bible. But I can hear him. And if he was alive today, this is what he'd be saying. Oh, man, I'm, I'm tired, Jesus. On top of that, I'm disappointed. We had a bad night. I've got no fish to take home. I want to go to bed. I'm going to have to get up tomorrow and do the same old thing and just hope that tomorrow I catch some fish to eat. But the best decision that Peter ever made was to get back into his boat and push it out into the water for the master's use. Folks, can I tell you, when God interrupts your life, he's interrupted mine many times. You're busy, you're doing this, you're doing that. You feel like you got to go here, go there. You got people to meet, places to go, things to do, and God interrupts. And he knocks on the door of your heart like he is some of you right now. And he's saying, excuse me, I've got a need. I need someone who I can occupy. I need someone whose life I can step into. I need someone who's not too busy for me. I'm used to hearing the words, no room for them in the inn. No room for him in the hotel. I'm used to hearing that. But when I find somebody who will say, Lord, take this empty boat. I don't have much to give, but I've got me. I've got my life. I can give you my time. Occupy my boat. And when you do that, when you do that, then God comes into your life. And begins to change you. I want to know how many of you would like Jesus getting into your boat. Come on, everybody. Getting into your boat. Can I encourage you? Allow the Lord to inconvenience you. 
Allow the Lord to inconvenience your life. You're not so busy that God can't come into your heart, come into your life, take some of your time because he's got some powerful things to do. He's going to bless you. He's going to enrich you. He allowed himself. Now, I want you to remember this one thing. If you remember nothing else from today, everything changes when you make room for Jesus in your boat. Everything changes. I'm going to say it again because some of you didn't catch that. Some of you don't believe that. But God is knocking on the door of your life. God's got a purpose for you, a destiny for you, a reason for you. He's looking for an empty vessel. And I want to assure you that everything changes for the good. When you make room for Jesus in your boat. The boat represented Peter's life. It was what he did. It was who he was. It was how he provided for his family. Peter didn't just fish. He was a fisherman, head to toe. He was a fisherman. And Jesus wanted that boat. He wanted his life. He wanted who he was. At an inconvenient moment, in an hour of frustration and letdown, when he was empty-handed and discouraged, that's when Jesus knocked. Let me into your boat, Peter. I have need of you. Give me some of your time. I know you're tired, but join me for a moment in what I do. He obeyed. The crowds were taught, and so was Simon Peter. Being where he was, think about it. This crusty old fisherman got a front row seat to listen to the greatest teacher on the planet. I would give the rest of my life's earnings to be in that boat for five minutes. What about you, folks? Have you discovered that he's worthy of everything? Have you discovered that he's worthy of your praise, worthy of your time, worthy of your life, worthy of your all, and that there is none like him? So Peter said, all right. Here's the boat, went out in it, and he got to listen to the teachings of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was finished, Peter realized you never give yourself to Jesus that he does not turn around and bless you. Now, I want to know, am I talking to people who want the blessing of God? Seriously want the blessing of God? That's kind of convincing. I want to ask it again. Am I talking to people who have realized that nobody can bless you like Jesus? I just wanted to be sure because there isn't anybody, like the old song says, who can do you like Jesus can do you. There isn't anybody who can bless you like Jesus can bless you. And there is nothing that can compare to being in the epicenter of the will of God for your life. So the next thing that Jesus does when he's done teaching the crowd, he turns and he looks at Simon Peter. He's tired. He's discouraged. He's been sitting out there. But he's been tuning in to what Jesus has been saying. And Jesus said to him, all right, Simon, it's your turn. He said, I want you to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I can hear him. Are you kidding? We've been out here hours now. I gave you my boat. I let you do what you needed to do. I don't want to go back out into the deep. My net is folded. It's been cleaned. But Jesus said, launch out into the deep 
and let down your nets. You gave me the boat. You gave me your time. But anytime somebody gives me their time and their boat, I'm going to bless them. You can almost hear the irritation in Peter's voice when he said, Master, we've toiled all night long and we haven't caught a thing. They're not biting. I guess you didn't hear me when I said that a little while ago. They're not biting. But what he didn't understand is he was talking to the one who made the fish. <laughs> he was talking to the one that made the ocean. Those fish knew his voice because it was him who said, let there be. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Jeff, that was God in the book of Genesis. No, you need to read your Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Speaking about Jesus Christ, the Word was God. And all things that were made were made through Him, by Him, and for Him. That's why I'm telling you I came to preach Jesus up and to preach the devil down. I want you to understand who we're following. He is the living God. He is the creator of the worlds. He is the master of masters, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the soon coming Messiah. And all of time will end at his doorstep. So Peter said, well, we've toiled all night and caught nothing, but guess what, Lord? Nevertheless, at your word, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Oh, that we could live that way. I don't understand, Lord, but nevertheless, at your word. I'm down to my last dollar, Lord, but nevertheless... I'll give it at your word. I've been out job hunting for months on end, Lord, but nevertheless, because you said it, I'm going to act on it. I really don't feel like praying, Lord, but nevertheless, at your word, I will pray. Uh, I've knocked on that door, Lord, a hundred times and it's never opened, but now I hear you saying, knock again. So nevertheless, at your word, I will obey. And I've tried beating that habit. I've tried a million times to beat that habit. I wanted to give up on that habit and just give in to that habit. But nevertheless, I hear you saying, hit it one more time. This time your deliverance is coming. So at your word, I will do it. And so Peter rode out into the deep and threw the net in at the word of the Lord. You know, it's so different. You can try in your own strength for months and years on end. But when the word of the Lord comes and says, put that net down. When the word of the Lord comes and says, make that move. When the word of the Lord comes and says, take that step. When the word of the Lord comes and says, speak that word. When the word of the Lord comes. So the next thing we see happening is a divine blessing. I can just picture Simon Peter. His tired, bloodshot eyes following the net down as it disappeared into the murky deep. It was quiet in the boat. Jesus was probably sitting in the helm watching Peter's movements, the waves. You've heard this. If you've ever been in a boat, those waves lapping gently on the side of the vessel. The sun had risen high when suddenly the rope attached to the net gave a great yank. Now, if you've ever fished, there's nothing like that yank. 
When I was pastoring in East Texas, uh, I was a city slicker, moved to a country place. Everybody in my fur, uh, uh, church fished. And so afterwards, I noticed they're all talking about the fish they caught. And I couldn't share the story because I hadn't caught any. So I went and got a boat, and I went fishing. My associate pastor was a country guy. He thought it was real funny that Pastor Jeff had a boat. But I also knew the one who knew the fish. Now watch this. It was a big joke. Well, Pastor Jeff's going to go out there. He's, well, yeah, he's fishing. I got a little bass boat, a little depth finder on it, and I launched out on my first journey into Lake Fork. If you've ever been there, it's bass paradise. And I had heard, because I didn't know personally, that they ended up, that they, they gather around structure and little places under where there's like a, like a, a dip in the lake floor or in structure where there's logs underneath and that kind of thing. They, they hide there. So I knew that. So I'm going along and I, I see a little something on my depth finder. So I attached a worm to the hook and threw it in. And I began to walk it along the bottom. And all of a sudden, there was a yank. I stood up. And it yanked harder. And it went into a U. And, 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 and I started screaming, <laughs> Jesus, help me. <laughs> and it took it under my boat. And it took the people who were on the shore that knew me <clears throat> thought that I had fallen in. Because I'm saying, Jesus, help me. I was really asking for help to bring the fish in. So it went and wrapped around a log, thought that it had me, but it didn't have me because I went down into the water and grabbed that line and undid it and pulled it up out of the water. And are you ready for this? On my first cast, it was an eight-pound black bass. <clears throat> now watch this. Yeah. I brought him into the boat. I felt like Barney Fife. <laughs> Put him in the live well. Well, here comes my associate pastor about 10 minutes later. He's thinking I'm just like Simon Peter, haven't caught a thing. Hey, pastor, how's it going? I reached my hand into that live well. You could hear it. Boom, 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 boom. I said, oh, Sam, we're doing okay. And I held it up. He never said another word to me. And what do you think I did that next Sunday with all those fishermen? I strutted up. I said, hey, I'm convinced that Jesus said to that bass, bite that poor man's hook so he can have a story this Sunday. But see what Peter encountered was way, way, way more than that. It began pulling with such force the net and the rope that he was hanging onto that the boat tilted sideways. Now Peter is standing. I can picture him as hard as racing. His eyes are bulging. And I'm thinking that Jesus is sitting there with a big grin on his face watching. He pulls with all of his might and barely budges the great load. The Bible says they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they both began to sink. This was super Natural, As one preacher put it, they had a net-breaking, boat-sinking load. Don't tell me Jesus doesn't believe in blessing. 
And don't tell me he doesn't believe in full. This was the catch of a lifetime. This was Peter's fisherman fantasy and then some. In his greatest imaginings, he never imagined anything like this. They had to call for help. Come help us, come help us. We've got such a catch, we can't bring it all in. And two boats sank under it. The Bible says all who were with him, here's the word, were astonished. Dumbfounded, dumbstruck, at a loss, stricken with wonder, shocked at the catch of fish which they had taken when Jesus said, let down your net. I don't think Peter connected the dots at the moment. He was too overwhelmed. But all these events had been set in motion as a result of his allowing his life to be divinely interrupted by Jesus Christ, by making his boat available for the master's use. And next, and at the end of this story, it goes from a great blessing to a changed life. Because watch what happens here. When Simon Peter saw the catch, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. At the beginning of the story, Peter called Jesus master, meaning teacher. But at the end of the story, he's using a word that means God. He says, O God, depart from me. I'm sinful. He's convicted for his sin. He has come face to face with God standing in his boat. He recognizes not only God, but the forgiver of all of his sin, and he repents. And right there in the bow of that boat, surrounded by a miracle that could only be attributed to a supernatural God, Peter confessed Jesus as Lord. story ends with a divine summons. And anytime God comes into your life, it comes with a summons. Have you heard it? Have you felt it? Have you experienced it? Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Peter had never heard that before. He had never heard such a thing about himself. He had all his life been known as a simple fisherman. He was defined by being a fisherman. And can I tell you that everybody in this place is being defined by somebody or something right now. Some of you grew up with people saying this to you. You're not very smart. You're fat. You're skinny. You're slow. You don't have much talent. God help you. You're going to need it. And they defined you. And events defined you. And some failures maybe defined you. Never allow human beings to define you unless they're speaking the Word of God over you. Watch this. Because men will always define you, for the most part, down. But Jesus defines us up. He defines us up. You see, I grew up thinking I wasn't very smart, thinking I was kind of slow, thinking I didn't have much talent. And then I got saved. Jesus came into my life. And Jesus said, I've anointed you and appointed you and blessed you to speak my word. I'm defining you up. 
And so Simon Peter, who had always been defined by what he did, I'm a fisherman, that's all that I am, I'm a fisherman. That's the way I'm going to live and that's the way I'm going to die, a fisherman. Jesus says, no, no, let me tell you who you really are in me. Who you really are in me is, Peter, you're going to catch men. I've laid my hand on you and I'm going to turn you into something you'd have never been without me. And so, Peter, you're going to catch men. Suddenly his horizons expanded. His destiny was revealed. He will no longer fish for fish, but he will enter the master's business of introducing men to Jesus Christ. And who was it? Just a few years later, every one of these men, James, John, Peter, who had all been there to see the miracle, they're at a place called Pentecost. The Spirit of God falls. Simon Peter lifted up his voice, and a thousand people per minute were saved. It was a three-minute sermon. If you read it out loud, it takes three minutes to read it. It says 3,000 people were saved. Suddenly, this fisherman, this crusty old blue-collar worker that had been touched by God is suddenly calling men to Jesus Christ, and 3,000 came in one short message. Jesus has a plan for you. Now, I'm going to ask you to stand with me right now, would you? And we're going to pray together. And I want you to know that Jesus wants into your boat. Jesus wants to change your life. So I'm going to ask there to be as little movement as possible, unless it's up this way in just a moment. But I want to pray with you. The most wonderful thing that ever happened to me is I heard the gospel at 16 years old, sitting in juvenile home for a drug charge, and Jesus got into my boat and changed me. And now I'm catching men. And you know what? He wants to change your life. So I want to encourage you to do something. Give him room. We're going to pray together and we're just going to say, Jesus, I welcome you into this boat, me, my life. And I ask you, Lord, to let me be involved in what you do. Speak to me. And guide me and fill me. If you will pray that, let's just pray it together, can we? Because the Lord who got into Simon Peter's boat is in this room right now. And He wants to bless your life. So right now, would you pray and say, Lord Jesus, I've heard this word. Peter let you into the boat and you blessed multitudes and then you blessed him. Lord, come into this boat in a fresh way today. I'm sensing right now the Lord is calling some of you back to a walk you used to know. Back to a walk you used to know. 
total lordship, total yielding, a totally committed daily follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're asking you to do it right now. I want you to say, Lord, I've kind of drifted. I got busy with life. But I'm asking you afresh and anew to come into my life today. I know you want to bless me. And I know that you want to do a wonderful thing through my life. So here's the boat, Lord. If you're praying that prayer, I want you to lift your hand right now. Just say, Lord, do it. All over this place. Like the song says, here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and fill. Come and fill me. Lord, there's powerful people in God in this room. There's callings in this room. I pray, Lord, that we will walk in them. In the mighty name of Jesus, I want you to talk to the Lord a minute while we just worship.